it's Delaney. And it's Katie, and this is Classically Black Podcast. Where we talk all things classical music and being black in the profession. With trap beats playing in the background. Hey, y'all. Hello. What's going on? We out here. Actually, no. We inside. But you know. Period. What time it is. This is one of our quote-unquote short episodes. We'll see. Famous last words. Literally. I mean, but the last time we said it was going to be short, it actually was short. Mm-hmm. So... So we'll see. I wonder what happened. Maybe we ain't got nothing to talk about. Cause we used to be having. Well, I feel like our episodes don't even be that long anyway. Mm-hmm. They'd be like hour and a half, which I don't think is long. Yeah. Cause I'd be mad when the read puts an hour and a half episode. Yeah, I'm like, hour and a half is, rush. It's crazy. Like it's only crazy. an hour and a half. Like no, nah, y'all. What what happened? <laughs> and Crystal wasn't slick one week because definitely one week they didn't do no listener letters. And I'm like, so what's that about? Like let's not make rich. a habit out of that. Right. Y'all got rich and switched it up. Yeah, I, I hope my time comes to do that. <laughs> we should do listener letters. What y'all want to ask us? That would be fun. Yeah, it would, listen. but I don't know if people are going to send stuff in. People ain't going to send us nothing. Let us know if you want us to do listener letters. <laughs> crickets. <laughs> right, crickets. Just like y'all was crickets on our Patreon. What's going on? What's, what's that about? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Y'all not going to join the Ivory Town? Whoa. <laughs> They're not for the what? I'm so, okay. To be fair, I am so tired. And I also, to be fair, so, that is like the same. And that is the phrase. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Ebony Tower. I'm so freaking tired. I'm not. Y'all not gonna. Mm, they ain't gonna trap me anyway. Patreon.com. I'm gonna slip right past that. <laughs> Slash classically black. Join the Ebony Tower. Period. Exclusive content. Speak- All right. Right. Speaking of right, the news this week. Speaking of content, um, Joe Joe Conyers has started a podcast. Period. Um, called Tacit No More. He started with one of his colleagues from the Joseph Conyers Symphony Orchestra, formerly known as the Philadelphia Orchestra. He is so gracious to talk to them. <laughs> I love that for him. He's so kind. Um and uh, his co-host is Yumi Kendall, the assistant uh, principal cellist of the orchestra, and they have a podcast called Tacit No More. So by the time this comes out, um, their first episode will be out, and I'll put a link in the description to their website. And they describe it as um, a new podcast where we're asking the questions that need to be asked and saying the things that need to be said about classical music. It's a landing pad for positive discussions about their belief in the power of music to better humanity. And they're going to be inviting multiple voices from different sectors to uh, speak with them and inspire the work that they do. So shout out to them. Now y'all got another, another podcast to add to y'all. To add to y'all list, period. Right. Um, yeah. So that link is in the description. Next, we have an update from a. I don't remember when we did this, but it, I do remember doing it. Um, maybe a couple months ago, we talked about a situation going on, um, at the Juilliard School regarding their composition faculty being accused of a member of their comp- composition faculty being accused of uh, sexual misconduct. Um, and there was also some other people that was accused of, um, like discriminating against, um, uh, women, 
students and applicants. Well, um, Juilliard recently announced that they had fired uh, Robert Beezer, who was the former head of their composition faculty, um, after an independent law firm investigated the allegations of sexual uh, harassment and misconduct against him, um, dating from the late 1990s to the 2000s. Uh, the investigators, the independent investigators, said that they found, quote, credible evidence that Mr. Beezer engaged in conduct which interfered with individuals' academic work and was inconsistent with Juilliard's commitment to provide a safe and supportive learning environment for its students. So, um, Juilliard also said that the investigators found that he had engaged in an unreported relationship that violated Juilliard's policy at the time and that he, quote, repeatedly misrepresented facts about his actions. Um, yeah, he had been the chair for um, Juilliard's composition department for 25 years. Um, and yeah, I think it was in December that we talked about the those allegations and those are linked in the article if you want to read um, them. I think it was first, the story was broke, broken, I don't know. They broke the story. Van Magazine um, broke the story. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like you don't really be hearing about that. Like, look, he, some special classical music, like, you never know. Because old dude, uh, Placido Domingo, even though he old as dirt, he still... Um, be performing in Europe and stuff. People didn't care nothing about that. Right. Probably gonna go straight to Europe too. Right. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, y'all been working with us for a minute, right? Like y'all. Um met us when we were screaming in my kitchen back in Rochester back in 2018 and a lot has changed between that first episode and now and um I asked Delaney um to tell me okay I asked Delaney to uh tell me what when was a time whether it's experience or a conversation or something that she got a sign that she made the right decision to be on her current career path so I don't think I can't remember where my mindset was in 2018 but when I matriculated into Eastman the whole point was that I was going to get my double masters and then I was going to teach um I was going to teach high school that's what I wanted to do to be fair I already kind of knew like I don't know about it because like I had um I was teaching public school before I went to Eastman and I that was something I wanted all the way through undergrad and I wanted to teach high school and when I got the job I remember sitting in my classroom and being like oh this this is it like I, I don't know like I felt like I pushed it down because like no girl yeah you want to do high school that's what you want to do so I pushed it down and I was like okay we go to Eastman we're gonna do a little thing and then we go whatever and like literally my life has changed wildly from that so um and i'll talk about a moment i had recently that i was like yeah you made the right choice because most of the time i'll be like girl what you doing you out here farting around but like every once in a while it's nice to be like yeah you made the right choice so what's what's yours and i'll say mine um 
I mean, I feel like, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell it by the way I be talking, but like every time I even just check in with myself, like there has never been a moment that I've thought about the fact that I have changed course that I'm not like incredibly happy. Like we was just talking about, <laughs> we were just talking about before, like if it was not, it's not all sunshine and roses. Like there is still like, you know, yeah. some feelings there, but like overall for my life, I'm like, I have no doubt in my mind is what I would have ended up here one way or another. And I'm glad it was sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and also when I got my nails done, <laughs> I, I remember that was the first thing you did. You were like, let me get my nails. First so thing. <laughs> I feel like so. I did say like I wanted to be a a public school like high school because I that's what I wanted to do. But if you also if you I've said it before, but if you know me in real life, you knew that I was actually seriously considering becoming a conductor. Like I was fortunate enough to be. I was in the conducting studio like my sophomore year of undergrad like dr block took a chance on me i was in there that was using all these big words it was so difficult for me to keep up like all this all this stuff in music that i haven't even learned yet because i was a sophomore and like dr block really like invested a lot of his he's a conducting teacher at illinois state university director of the orchestras he really took a chance on me like he i was having private lessons i was in conducting seminar every thursday 11 to 1 like literally like with the grad students like and I so when it was time for grad school originally what I was supposed to do was I was taking conducting lessons I was taking conducting trial lessons and I took a couple I think I took three and I, I went back I'm okay let me b- get better at my technique and then I'm finna do this again we and then I met somebody and they were like go to Eastman I was like girl you ain't say nothing but a word like for sure you right on you think I get into Eastman let's do it but so this past week the reason why I'm so freaking tired is I'm playing a musical, but I'm, I also taught a, a camp in the, from like nine to five, which is another reason why like I cannot have a job because that's crazy. Like all Girl, day. My, my hours anyway. are nine thirty to six. <laughs> like, I know that sounds bratty and I understand like a lot of y'all are like, what are y'all talking about? Me and talk about this endlessly about how a job would is, that is not my lot. Like, obviously like, a, like, okay, there is something that I want to do that Delaney knows about. Well, a couple people in my life know about that will be like that kind of like, nine to five more like a nine to nine type of thing but that's different i don't know how but it's different but like Delaney, when i tell you like and i got off of work and i had to go do more stuff i had to go play a musical i was like S- i didn't go to the grocery store until today i've been back in memphis for a week i got back in memphis last sunday i went to the grocery store before we recorded i don't know what i ate and i didn't eat out i just like rummaged through my freezer and and my um pantry no Mm-mm. but anyway i taught a camp middle school orchestra i had a blast i had so much freaking fun but i realized like girl absolutely not <laughs> i was like i was like when do we begin conducting first of all conducting is so incredibly boring to me like i i'm i there's so many rec- conductors i re- i respect shout out to tim myers of the austin uh opera like he did, he got us through vanessa that was such a blast i love working with him um kalina of course but it's so boring everybody having fun playing the instrument you waving your arms no it's no and then kids like i love children they're so cute to me like they're so full of promise they are hilarious but like no no 
every day high school orchestra like middle school orchestra i made the right choice i my my i, I told her like my life a little topsy-turvy right now but that's okay that's okay because when i tell you like what i'm not gonna do like I even told Delaney I got uh, lunch with some of the other conductors after the concert yesterday, and they were talking about like their districts and stuff like that, and like, oh, we're gonna get three personal days. I'm like, that's crazy to me because when I tell you, if classically black gotta be in Dublin, I'm going to Dublin. I'm not asking nobody whether or not can I da da da. I am. Are you kidding? No, <laughs> no. Like when I have to go somewhere for classically black, or I want to take a gig. Or if I want to travel, if I want to do a speaking engagement, I literally text my parents and I'm like, I will not be here this week. Let's schedule a re- uh, And that's it. That I, I, don't, I don't do nothing else. You think I'm going to go to a principal and be like, if we're requesting? Yeah. No. I feel like also, like traveling is a big one too <laughs> for me. That's a thing. Like just not like, because going to the airport with a base is hell. Like, <laughs> it's not fun. I be looking at you. I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, that whole flight case. I'm like, so what y'all finna do? And I ain't even gonna lie. I, I took the biggest L. Like, I don't wanna talk about it, but I took one of the biggest L's last week because, like, we were going to the airport. My flight was the earliest flight leaving out. It ended up being delayed. I ended up paying for Uber for no reason. And my friend witnessed the whole thing, and he's annoying, so he made fun of me. But when I saw what really made me call the Uber is when the, the the luggage bus was late and I saw that flight case. I saw that man with the flight case. I was like, you know what I'm not going to do? Miss my flight because you got to figure out how to put this okay. thing in the thing. No. <laughs> but to be fair, like, yeah. I feel like people, like, I remember I've had to take an Uber with a flight case before. Even I've had to take. How? It's a whole thing. How did I like, get to the airport when I was in, when I was in. That thing is. What car does that fit in? It fit in my car. They look cute. They look cute. I'm so short though. Maybe that's why they look because the bass players like we had bass players on the floor that I stayed on, and they would leave their they left their cases out in the hallway. I, what car would that fit into? Like I cannot even. You know, the, my car minivan? that I had in Rochester fit in that car. Oh, yeah. for real? You got to It's strategic. Like you got to know how. That's the thing. Maybe it's like people think like, oh, it's not gonna fit, and it's like. For us that know how to put in the cars, like it will fit. You have to. What you have to do is you gotta move the the drivers and passenger seats all the way back and put the back like as back as far back as it will go, and then you can push the skinny the neck of the base, the skinny part. See how long I've been off of that? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you the skinny part Tell is crazy. Chris, skinny part is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meliora. Let me call Eastman. Um, <laughs> you gotta oh put the, the the um the neck, neck. right? <laughs> the neck. You got once like the the seats are all the way like kind of back. It's easier to get the neck past them, and then you can put the seats back up. Um, mm. but yeah, it'll get in there. The skinny part is mm. not. <laughs> skinny part is nuts Delaney you play the bass but like, you know what for a long time there's a silver lining here <laughs> we have an episode title <laughs> right you know what we ain't gotta think about it no more that's crazy not too much not too much but yeah I like what, I, what I've been noticing about life I don't know if you thought about this but like I feel like every even no matter like what amount of like pain or trauma I experience at whatever stage of my life it's like everything kind of 
it's like peeling back a layer like you get closer and closer to what you're actually supposed to be doing like at every stage because like if I didn't go to Eastman I wouldn't have met you we wouldn't have done classically black I wouldn't have figured out that like I because I I real I knew when I was in Danville Illinois I knew I felt unfulfilled as a classroom teacher but it really wasn't I didn't know how until I realized like oh I kind of I'm kind of like in my entrepreneurial bag my own in my creator bag that's and I wouldn't have gotten there if it wasn't for classically black so like everything is kind of like uh peeling back or a like refining to get you to where you're supposed to be yeah but what I need see like because because I do think about that like there's really nothing I've done I don't have any regrets even things that I thought like that scared me they ended up being fine like for example Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of afraid. I was afraid about not getting into grad school because I didn't feel like I had, you know, a, a great enough academic record. The thing about my academic record is that it's very clear that like I wasn't just an average student. I had good grades, and then there was a drop, and then like, you know, you can tell when yeah. somebody normally has good grades, and then something happens that that impacts their yeah. performance. So it ended up being fine. So then I'm just like, I used to think, oh, I wish I did better in college, but now I'm like it wouldn't have made no difference anyway like right. so um but also like you remember that episode of spongebob where he was at the art class with squidward and then he had the block of marble and he tapped it and then it came out that sculpture that's yeah. what i need to do instead of chipping it away right. and chipping it away and refining like i get it but like i also just if i could get a one tap michelangelo like <laughs> and to be fair like i normally don't mind the process the quote-unquote process i just i just understand why everything gotta be a process and i think that's where i'm at yeah like why everything gotta be started from ground zero why everything gotta be whatever but you know piece we move. by piece piece by piece it's like okay we get it like i don't know man but yeah we do move so mm-hmm. period then we really gonna be in and out today I period know. all right my mom gonna get her wish because <laughs> Um, oh, I think I said that before we turned the mics on, but my um, I was supposed to go get my mom some food after this, and she asked me how long we was going to be recording. I was like, oh, maybe an hour and a half. She was like, y'all reduce these episodes? <laughs> well, here go a reduction, because right. we already to the topic, and we twenty less than 20 minutes yeah, in. Period. Well, um, y'all, today, if you're listening to this on Monday, it's Juneteenth, period. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. I feel like we always struggle with black episodes like episodes that are like on black holidays like it's black music month oh it's black music month and at this point it was it was black music okay. month. and like black history <laughs> month because like that's really part of like blackness is a part of the premise of the show Yeah, we do it every week so yeah. it's like and i've also i've i've stopped trying i've, I've really like kind of left that alone because i stopped like beating myself up about it because i've noticed that like months like black history month are more stressful for me because i feel like oh i gotta i gotta do this and this and that and like black history month this year is when i post it every single day on tiktok and it ended up being great for gaining followers so good mm-hmm. like good for that but also just like dang it's black history month and i'm freaking miserable <laughs> and i'm black <laughs> i feel like every every black black musician is so busy during like black february was definitely my busiest month I feel like I was I was out of Memphis for like a week and a half straight. It's going like playing a concert and then we had the live show. See, or was that March? no? That was that was like the last day of February. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm not doing that again because not the live show, the 
the everyday posting because we talking about black history and I'm working for free during black history month given our history absolutely not that's not what Emma like, wanted um, not at all like that's not the Harriet dream. Tubman is shaking her head right now like right. I don't know about S- that sick so um this week we're gonna be um talking about just music from this time um which is like the mid 1800s um so what was music like in black communities um during the time um that juneteenth was established so i'm gonna go first because me and katie have picked our different ones and i kind of picked something that i think i had i have heard of before but like never really looked into and i'm gonna look into it more um because i just like it's just interesting to me but i'm gonna be talking about black minstrels so if you don't know what a minstrel is it it's a problematic caricature of black people um is what it is um if you ever heard of blackface that is um very commonplace in minstrel shows um so they're so minstrel shows are usually performed uh by white people wearing blackface um and they're supposed to be comically portraying racial stereotypes of black people um some of the common things that that black people are stereotyped as in minstrel shows are lazy um like just acting like happy-go-lucky being stupid like all that type of stuff like it's just it's a caricature a racist caricature of black people so I was wondering like how did black people get involved with actually performing at minstrel shows so there was a few I think starting around like the 1850s um there was a few like troops that would travel around in um uh, to do minstrel shows one of the things that they kind of like one of their selling points was that like we're the people that can be like authentically black like what you're watching is not real if you really want to see really how black people act and are um then this is like our natural I don't want to say habitat because the way they right, right. they really think of it because apparently like some of the like so like promoters for like concerts and shows would take that messaging and put it out to advertise it and one of them i have like a quote this is what this was how it was advertised the darky as he is at home darky life in the cornfield (laughs) (laughs) in Sorry. Darky is insane. I'm so sorry to interrupt. What? Sorry. You gotta put a trigger warning. <laughs> Darky life is crazy. Um like what? Darky life in the cornfield, cane break, barnyard, and on the levee and flatboat. That was the marquee. Like that was the the advertising. Darky life. I can't. I can't. Darky life. I don't even know what to see. That's not I'm not I'm gonna start doing dark skin pride. Darky life. <laughs> Darky. It's not funny, but I'm it sorry, is. it's not funny. That's I'm so sorry. It's a little funny. Dark it's funny because it's so freaking ridiculous and crazy. Like, why would y'all like this? 
Like, why were y'all treating people like this? <laughs> like, why would you? I'm sorry. I'm not going to. Darky life. You know what? Hashtag darky life. Period. <laughs> you know what? You know what? <laughs> the skinny part has been usurped as the title of this episode. The title of this episode is hashtag darky life. <laughs> no, we can't. Like, I know it's, it's not funny. Like, people really like, I know it's not funny, but you have to admit that that is, it's so ridiculous that it's funny. Yeah, like, it's like one of those, it's like, not funny, did, but it is. Like, it's not funny. Why did y'all come up with that? But, like, what, like, it's kind of like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> yeah, like, that's what, it, that's what I think. Like, y'all were, like, off your rocker. I'm sorry. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. It's like, like, it's like, you can't believe it. Um, like that is a slur. I'm like, <laughs> it is okay. Um, yeah. So that was one of the reasons why I'm just like, what? How do black people get involved in this? Um, apparently that like authenticity, quote unquote, of like black people performing minstrelsy was something that was successful in being a draw. Um, so there was like. In the 1860s and 70s, there were um, a few, like, kind of prominent black menstrual groups. Um, Yeah, and one of one of the things that's also like normally or often depicted in menstrual shows is like plantation, like uh, I don't know how to like scenarios like that. That is the setting, and it's like. That is the the premise of the show. Um, but also, like, racism, of course, is the entire reason why this genre exists. But also was something that um, that plagued these groups. Like, of course, we've heard of, like, you know, black people not being able to stay in certain hotels and stuff like that. And, like, if you don't know, like, the Chitlin Circuit is, like, a, a group of, um, of venues that black people were able to perform at um in the south um this was pre-chilling circuit but like that sort of thing um apparently like sometimes they would have to rent like an entire train so that they could like sleep in the train and then sometimes they said that like i read this one thing that said that sometimes the white people was using a train as target practice i was like that's crazy like they had like parts where they would hide inside of it in case what? in case something would pop off and also one of the things that i've never even really thought about was that like because the people that were coming to these shows thought that they like they thought that's what black people acted like um like that menstrual persona a lot of times the black minstrels would have to stay in character off stage oh my God. like to risk like because they didn't want no no problem like so now you they saying whatever anything to you and you smiling and you and they had to wear like like clothes that you would that you would wear if you were enslaved like clothes that were like ragged and dirty and like that type of stuff to kind of stay in character yeah and of course they had also some things that we've been dealing with in in um in the music industry for a long time of not being paid the same um as as white minstrels yeah um but in terms of in terms of like 
the actual shows even though they were marketed as like okay this is really what we're doing i don't i still don't think they were because from what i from what i understand the actual shows were not very different from what white people were doing in blackface it was just that black people were doing it um and one other thing that was really surprising to me was that apparently a lot of the shows were performed in front of a black audience as well and apparently like it's not really known what exactly was the appeal of this I I saw that like a lot of times there were women in these shows which I was like I'm not gonna say what I want to say but like that because it's not thought through it just popped into my head but like that whole stereotype of like in comedy like modern day comedy of like that black woman caricature a lot of times it's black men dressing up as black women Mm um i'm also like i want to learn more about this because i want to know where some of that came from because that seems that seems related to me i'm sorry like it does like um but one of the reasons why i wanted to talk about this the fact that there were black people doing menstrual shows and that there were black people attending them is like what do we think about like is this a is this them reclaiming (laughs) this sounds crazy but like reclaiming it in a way like i know that it, it was probably incredibly hard to do something like this but also like people are profiting off of your culture is it like a well we might as well do it too situation Hmm. and I I feel like I would feel more that way if the shows were different but it seems like they they really weren't but I also like it was not alive in this time I don't know how I would feel you know what I mean like sometimes you you Mm -hmm. work with what you got and so I feel like that's why I wanted to talk about it because this was one of like minstrelsy was incredibly popular like incredibly popular (laughs) I don't think like which is like so weird because like why y'all obsessed with us like it's weird like apparently like they was like curious that was one of the main things was like people being curious of like how how they how black people act in their normal life like the darkie as he is at home basically is what it said um yeah i don't know i have to I feel like I'll, I'll have to think more about it. I do feel like it is sort of one of those things that's like, there's so few ways, there were so few ways for them to get ahead that like this is something that was incredibly successful. And mm-hmm. I mean, if, if somebody gonna capitalize off of it, it ought to be black people. So I'm glad we've since moved away from it, but I also just wanted to talk about that complicated history of black minstrels i want to learn more about like why did they are these these were freedmen that that did it or they were organized by a white person some of them um so they were largely free because like this i think the height of black minstrels was like 1860s and 70s so like slavery is abolished at this point but like also we also know like a lot of people stuck in predatory sharecropping uh agreements and stuff like that but um 
it also it, some of it is like kind of weird because like yes they were free but also of course slavery was some was one of the selling points of menstrual shows in terms of like what they're about like another one mm-hmm. of the another one of the advertisements says seven slaves just from alabama who are earning their freedom by giving concerts under the guidance of their northern their northern friends so like i think even though they weren't like legally enslaved like they were still kind of playing that part and i think that mm-hmm. in so many ways like slavery i mean we all know like slavery on paper was ended even before juneteenth and that's literally what juneteenth is about it like really right. being slavery really being over but also like the the conditions that followed for black people were really not that far off from what they were dealing with in slavery either so there's no way them people inherited the kingdom of god like if I if I got up there and I saw y'all, I know I'm in the wrong part. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, in the act of serendipity, I have something that complements Delaney's thing. We did not talk about it, so um, I want to talk about the Fist Jubilee Singers. This show has been going on for a long time. I feel like we might have talked about them before, but I don't. Whatever. Anyway. So the Fist Jubilee Singers were founded in 1871 and they were really founded because Fist University, which opened five years prior, so 1866, like literally right after the, well, it wasn't really called that at first. It was called, I want to find the name of it. Oh, the Fisk Free Colored School in Nashville. Um, That was opened in, in 71 minus 5 that's when they opened okay so they were experiencing like bankruptcy problems and stuff like that so this white dude named um george leonard white he was a white missionary from the north he was uh, fish fiscus whoa <laughs> i mean fiscus yeah y'all y'all know i be my mouth kind of, you know i be having some issues <laughs> sometimes uh, treasurer and music director he was like okay we're gonna put a we're gonna put a, some people together we finna go do a little concert or whatever we're gonna go on a little tour and so it was nine people it was like five women and and four men and they went on tour they, their first stop being in cincinnati and they went like all around to these places trying to raise money to help save fisk university and what made the fisk jubilee singers different and revolutionary but also causing a lot of criticism is the repertoire they sing so they were singing uh what is known what was previously known as slave songs now known as negro spirituals and the fist jubilee singers are um credited for the early popularization of the negro spiritual and what was so revolutionary about it was one when they got when they was in front of these white crowds and they were singing these beautiful like swing low whatever the white people in the crowd were like (laughs) swing low sweet cherry the white people I, this is literally a music podcast let me stop playing no. when they were singing like go down moses and swing low sweet chariot the white people in the crowd were like where are the menstruals at like we came here like that's what they and they, it caused them so much criticism a lot of it i won't read because it actually infuriated me reading it but it was stuff like basically like we thought y'all niggas were stupid like where's the stupid stuff like literally that's i'm just summing it yeah. up like like they were one review said like they were puzzled that the audacity it's is like, crazy 
it's like I don't even know how to like when you read stuff like that. Like we joke or, or whatever, but like when you read it, I it's like a, a feeling washed over me that I can't really even put into words because it's like y'all really think we're the scum of the earth like that to like see these beautiful black men and women go up there and like sing like that and be like we are puzzled that you can do things like that is insane to me like i which which is crazy because um, i feel like they puzzle like they puzzle because they feel like black people are inherently inferior when y'all should be puzzled of how they were resilient through all the stuff y'all put them through like and and we're still able to succeed that's what that's what should have been shocking like it shouldn't be like oh you can do that but you're black it should be like oh dang you did that after all we did to you like like and you still and there hasn't been a riot yet i mean there's been plenty of riots but that's what that lady said like y'all lucky black people are looking for uh equality and not revenge and i was like (laughs) literally because i was just telling katie before this i was gonna send her the video she said no but i was watching There was this thing I did in, in, they did it in 1965. And I have it saved. It was like a documentary. It was like a like a public television special. Um, I think I think it was a kind of about the state of race race relations. And this guy was on there, and he was saying like one of he said that as he's gotten older, he's gotten more liberal, and he thinks that other people will too. And because as he's gotten older, he's realized that black people they're people. And the person that was interviewing him was black. He was a black man. And he said, what did you think we were before? And he said, kind of like a sophisticated pet. And I was, <laughs> no, the more I say it, actually, like, y'all really running like, to hell. Right? Like, <laughs> like, like, when I tell you, like, it's filled to the brim with them. Like, you, like, no, that's crazy. It's like, that was like a legitimate, like, I just don't, I mean, we're modern people so i guess like we just i just i cannot wrap my head my head around that yeah i can't wrap my head around looking at somebody who is a different color than me and not registering them as a person like, <laughs> like what like no nah, like I, I couldn't i don't i yeah don't send that to me because i don't even know how to describe the the feeling like it's just it's just like i can't even place it it's just nah like y'all that's crazy um but so the the first year they went on tour they went on tour in 1871 they raised four forty four hundred nope $40,000 I was right the first time for fist I'm pretty sure that was in like their time Dang. so because it would have said elsewise right? right so but either way I think $40,000 is a lot maybe not for a modern university but a university that had no money I'm sure that was a lot of money for them and then um the second year they um they like went to go meet the president at the time i think it was ulysses k and ulysses, they did ulysses oh you know that's what, you know you see how i'm so i'm so hardwired to be black i just said a composer <laughs> i'm oh, like ulysses my k, brain is oh pregnant you hear me president <laughs> i was thinking like Wait, oh, i only was... speak nigga i was i only speak nigga i was like yeah ulysses k that's a composer <laughs> Let me go back. Let me get my notes. Because I, I stopped looking at my notes. Yeah. Okay, president. Okay, historian. Girl, I know yeah. uh, him because he's on a $50 bill. Oh, period. Fine. Big grant, not the little okay. one. 
Um, yeah, Ulysses Grant. They went to go meet Ulysses Grant. They did a concert for him. They did like a six week stint in New York and they made twenty grand off of that. And then the following year they went to so eighteen seventy three they went to um Europe and they did a tour over there and they made one fifty K. So like they was they did their big one for um Fisk. So they disbanded actually in eighteen 18- 78 because of the poor touring conditions so when i when you were talking about um the musicians the black minstrels i was like okay this sounds familiar because like i'm also thinking like, this is also pre-jim crow so i'll it, like it was probably crazy it was probably law i mean america's lawless america has never not been lawless but like i just couldn't imagine the <laughs> conditions like as a black person, like, how, how do you even know? Because at least, like, I'm not going to say that because I don't want it to be misunderstood. But it's, like, pre, it's pre-Jim Crow. Like, they didn't have nowhere to sleep. Um, This woman, uh, one of the one of the founding members of uh the Fist Jubilee Singers is Ella Shepard, who's actually a very interesting person. I want to learn more about her. Like, she was an activist. She was a composer, pianist, soprano. Um, She taught at Fisk. And, um she has a really interesting history she was like friends with uh booker t washington and frederick douglas and um she was talking about how um like it was too much they were like we had nowhere to sleep sometimes like if we did have somewhere to sleep it would be like not very good we had nothing to eat sometimes they couldn't find us no food who's serving food to black people like it was crazy out there so they could not continue to go on tour so they disbanded but they um, came back together that was 1878. See, because I was about to say, I was like, that sounds like, you were saying that, like, it was lawless. I was like, that, there's a period right after the Reconstruction era that's called, like, the Great Nadir, or sometimes it's just called, like, a Nadir, um, where, like, it was just, like, a particularly, like, that. I think the definition of Nadir is, like, um, like something at the lowest point of something. Mm, and so i bet yeah it was just like a particularly and then that technically is in 1877 is when it started Mm. and then for went on for a couple decades so i was like dang yeah yeah so that that tracks then um and so they they came back together and they went out to do all the stuff that they did now i mean they're nationally recognized grammy award-winning um choir but I also will say one thing that's also really significant about the about what they were singing is that these songs that they popularized were never sung in public before um, emancipation. Like these were songs that enslaved people sang to themselves, like hum to themselves, like um, and the dude. Um, George Leonard White like he overheard students at Fisk singing these songs and he was like moved by them and he was like what's what's that about and he that's why that's how he got the idea to like let's put these these students together let's put some students together rather and go on tour because spirit negro spirituals were never performed they were songs to help you get through difficult times I mean I couldn't even imagine and I'm fortunate enough to not have to imagine what that was, what that was like. And to communicate so, um, with each other too. Like they were functional. Right. And by the way, that reminds me, you got to remind me, I have an episode idea based off of Negro spiritual. So. Oh, period. Let's do it. Especially what we should do it next week. So we got one more week of Black Peace Month. But, um, 
Oh wait, it's the last week of June. Right now. Do we have another Monday? I think we have another June no Monday. Okay. Yeah, the twenty sixth. Um, we can move something around because that poor episode that we keep moving around uh, i just saw which one it is it's been like seven months <laughs> um but yeah uh i'm definitely i want to talk more about um ella shepherd one day because she's very interesting i'm sure there'll be a time for that but um shout out to the fish jubilee singers like i mean just talk about paving the way right. like that i couldn't even imagine what that was like and also good on them for being like, yeah, actually, this is too much for us. And we are going to go back to what we were doing um, and not being on the road and being mistreated yeah. by y'all. So, Ooh, Shout out to black musicians. Love us. Period. But yeah, that's what that's what we got for the topic about music that was going on around Juneteenth. Let us know what you think. And we're moving on. All right, y'all, it's time for Black Excellence, where we hype you up, gas you up, and give you your props, because there's room for everyone at the top. Who are you talking about, Delaney? This week, I am talking about Henry Dorn. He is a composer and a conductor. Um, he is degreed up. He got a, a bachelor's from the University of Memphis um, in composition. He got a master's in composition and went conducting from Peabody. And um, he has a DMA and went conducting from Michigan State University and is about to get another DNA. DNA, you hear me? You might as well be <laughs> at this point. Right. <laughs> he, he gotta be two people doing all this. Right. Um, <laughs> another DMA in composition. Um, from Michigan State University. Um, got another. Do you got to start from scratch, or you they stuff be rolling over? I think you just. I don't think you got to start from scratch. Like a double DMA is crazy. That that is insane. I know somebody I'm mutual with on Twitter. She got a DMA and now is getting a PhD. It's just that I don't want to look at no syllabus. Like, what do you mean? I gotta, you know, like that two, is my two doctor degrees is itch. crazy. Two. You calling me Dr. Doctor. Dr. Katie Brown, comma, PhD. <laughs> no, Dr. Dr. Katie Brown, comma. <laughs> Don't play with me. Play with your mama. Say both of them. That's like um, <laughs> on the Boondocks, a pimp named Slickback, where he's like, you got to say the a pimp name part. Like, that's part of my name. A pimp name. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, so he, um, he's had his compositions played by several um, noteworthy ensembles, including the Harlem Quartet, um, the Dallas Wind Symphony, the Sanctuary Jazz Orchestra. Um, he's also a recipient of the Future of Music Faculty Fellowship um, at uh, the Cleveland Institute of Music, which, first of all, if anybody the Future of Music Faculty, like, it's literally him. Definitely like tell you that much. Like, let's be for real. Um, yeah, I mean, he's out here. Period. Okay. My piece of the week is, um, Fine's arrangement of Florence Price's adoration. Um, my kids ate it up. I'm so proud of them. Most of them only been playing for a couple of years. It was a little pitchy, but you know what? Florence Price was proud. And they had an attitude the first day. I'm saying, I, and I was like, you know what? Because it sounded so bad. It sounded like a, a, it sounded like a jump scare. I'm like, I told him like, it sounds like a jump scare. Can you read the notes? And I was like, y'all don't know me. I know we just met, but we either play this price 
either way we playing this price either way we playing the nigga so we could learn all six pieces or we could just do this one but we are playing it um so yeah that's my piece of the week it was gorgeous and yeah period you got one more thing yeah i do um um i just wanted to say you know last week we talked about um just last week yeah it was last week we talked about um uh, david dickerson the horn player who was um unfortunately uh involved in a hit and run on his bicycle um david passed away this morning um so we just wanted to offer our condolences to his family um and also just flag that there is a gofundme that is still functioning in the description i just checked um that is still up so if you would like to send something to his family uh during this time you you still can um and yeah i mean it's just freaking tragic like literally tragic yeah yeah well um recipes to you david yeah. our interactions were always hilarious mm-hmm. so um, thank you so much for listening to Classically Black Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Classically Black Podcast. If you have a piece of the week suggestion, a black excellence suggestion, or an intermittent suggestion, send it to Classically Black Podcast at gmail.com. If you're black, join ISBM. If you got money, join a Patreon. I'm playing. That was rude. But patreon.com slash classically black, isblackmusicians.com, isblackmusicians on social media. Thank y'all for listening, and we will catch y'all next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.